This week, the obvious question is, if you could tinker with the genetics of your child, would you? I'm Mike Travisano with Bob Meyer and Joe Vitalik. Each week, one of us asks the other two a question that may seem obvious, but it doesn't seem to have any obvious answers, not that we can see. And we see what we can figure out, and we ask you to help us find some answers through comments on our site, obviousquestion.wordpress.com, or on our Facebook page for The Obvious Question. This week's question comes word for word from a recent tweet from Peter Diamandis. Peter Diamandis is the chairman of the SpaceX Foundation and generally accepted super forward thinker, along with guys like Elon Musk and Ray Kurzweil. Peter's tweet points back to his blog, which you can find a link to at our site under this episode. In his blog, he points to the absolutely incredible advances in genetics that are here today, and some that are only a heartbeat away. Things like reproduction without sex and genetically modifying a fetus in the womb. But for all the incredible science that these things represent, they come with huge ethical questions. In some cases, they're the ultimate example of just because you can do something, does that mean that you should? And where do you draw the line? Let us know what you think. On NPR, I was listening. I, there was a story about a couple who had uh, uh, they had identified that their unborn child was going to have a birth defect, and that they were able to by uh, somehow using genetic material from I think a brother-in-law or sister-in-law. I'd have, to, I'd have to to double check it. They were able to essentially get rid of that defect before the child was born. So uh, this uh, this the concept of being able to you know, tinker with the genetic material of, of an unborn child isn't, is not a twilight zone episode. It's not a thing in, you know, out in the future. It's here. It's, it's happening right now. So the question is, if you could tinker with the genetics of your baby, would you? My quick response to that is, is yeah, I I'd absolutely want to alter something that's broken. I mean, something that's not, I'll use the word right and fix it so that this child or, you know, your child would have a, would have a better option for, for life. But, you know, the minute I say that I get really nervous because then I, I think about modifications that are beyond, I mean, what does it mean to have the right modification or have the right outcome? You know, and I think about all the, the kids or all the people in the world today that are different, that have different color eyes, different color hair, different heights, different weights. And in some cases, genetic, um, malfunctions or however you would say that, you know, there, there's something wrong. Uh, one that pops in my head right away is like Down syndrome, you know, is could you eliminate that? Why not? And why would you do that immediately? But I know a number of people who have uh, children who have Down syndrome. And what they say to me is that the experience is, is life changing for them, that it, it is so they're so lovable as far as as children go. And as far as the, the love they feel for the child, I think right away, I say, if you eliminate that, you eliminate that possibility. And so there's this piece that says, you know, I think nobody would wish that upon themselves. And yet having it in the sense that it, it happens, happens to them that way, they're very thankful for it. They're very grateful to have that experience. So on the one hand, I'm saying, yeah, of course, eliminate any of those illnesses, diseases, genetic problems. But on the other hand, what would you do if you did that? What would that do to the world? You know, would it, would it make it so uniform, so uh, boring, you know, if you think of it, that everybody is just just perfect, you know, and, and whatever that means, again, whatever the word perfect means or right means, it would be, I guess, what we determine to be the proper way a human being should be and should function. And that gets very scary to me, you know, the idea that, that could be that way. 
I think my my first thought is uh, is this notion of playing God that you're 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 taking you know measures to to fix something that we think we know more than we do like uh, I don't know how to articulate it but it's it's almost like when bad things happen in our life you know we first focus on the bad thing like oh my gosh I can't believe whatever you know my son was murdered daughter was in a car wreck it's horrible it's terrible or my my kid has down syndrome but then there's other things that happen miracles that happen small miracles that happen where a life is changed you realize there, there's more to to love than just the surface love you realize your commitment your, your ability to do things the strength that you have the faith that you have so that notion of jumping in and saying, well, now I'm in charge. I'm, I'm the God. I'm the person. And I also think that there's, I don't know, a part of maybe my belief system is that when we try to correct things, there, there's somebody else or some other entity there that can auto-correct things for us. Because the same thing happens with disease eradication, right? It's like, well, like there's no more polio. There's no more smallpox. There's no more plague. There's no more this, there, that. But then all of a sudden, then there's there's AIDS, there's the Zika virus, there's something else out there, and it's like, where do these things come from? Where, where well, we haven't heard of swine flu before. Where'd that come from? Uh, so, my my fear is that once we start doing that, other things crop up, other side effects, and then I think the same thing. I don't know. I'm this. I don't want to say I'm a uh, this person that feel, feels that there's these unintended consequences. I think the same thing happens with technology. You know, like there, there's great things that happen with social media, but there's side effects and other things that happen. So I don't want to give my answer just yet because I agree with Joe that, yeah, if my kid had this disease or a blood disorder, I'd want to fix that right away. But I worry it as a society that it would become the menu where, you know, you're, you walk into the, let's sit down, Mr. Travisano, and let's, let's show you our brochure. And here's all your color options. Here's your pigmentation mm-hmm. options. You know, let's look at the, uh, do you want the undercoating? Because, you know, that will preserve your child a lot more. It's $3,000. I think it's worth it. Uh, <laughs> are you willing to pay that? The money and greed are going to come into the equation. And then there's going to be the black market stuff. I mean, it's really, I don't know. And then is a, is a, is um, you know, the Affordable Care Act, is that going to cover this stuff? I don't have insurance. What, what happens then? Um, so right now, I think I want to jump in there and say, yeah, I want this. But then I think I go back to the, the playing God. And, and right now my answer is no, no. I, I don't want to touch this thing because I think there's something about that miracle of birth that we're not supposed to be messing with, you know? Because we don't know. If I look at myself and my own people around me, if I could, if I could resolve a disease ahead of time, something absolutely, I want to do it absolutely. Especially, you know. But also, if I look at the larger system, if I look at at humanity or the planet or all living beings and as as part of a system, then I I also recognize, man, stuff will balance out. It's going to balance out if we resolve this childhood cancer or this or, you know, some some horrible thing. If we eradicate that, something inevitably is going to is going to balance it out, either a new disease that we we couldn't predict. I mean, it, it's not at all unlike uh, 
the threat of the super virus, right? The super bug that we kind of see in the news all the time. Where is that coming from? Well, it's coming from all those amazing drugs we've been taking for so long to sort of keep us healthy and live longer and, and you know, these incredible advancements. Well, it's like, it's like trying to squash water. You can't, it, you know, water finds a way around. You can't compress it, you know, only to a certain point. And, uh, and it makes me scared. You know, it scares me to, to think that, you know, it, we're given this sort of opportunity to make things genuinely better for a lot of people. I mean, I, I see, you know, I hear stories. I don't know anybody who has had a child with, with cancer. Um, but I, I know of a lot of people. I've read stories and, and the pain the, that they must go through, the, the struggle is, makes my heart just want to leap out of its chest, I, my chest. Yeah, I can't imagine going through that. I would want them to be able to resolve that and not have to have that. And yet, on the other hand, what does that mean? What will it potentially mean? Am I willing to take that gamble? Yeah, it's funny as I listen to you guys, I, I, my brain is splitting mm -hmm. between the the idea that would you want this to, ha to be possible or happen? When I was listening, just now listening to you guys, and and it seems like there's there's my brain is split, and here here's the split. It there's the the stuff we're thinking about that we'd like to have happen, the the good stuff, the the philosophical view or the thought process. Then there's what happens in reality. You know, if if you touch this, you, something else breaks or something else goes wrong. You know, I was thinking about all the stories I've heard. You know, you see someone on television or at the Olympics, whatever, and. I may be totally skewing this, but it feels like every time someone has a real success story, they had a horrible beginning, whether it was an illness or a terrible house situation, a living situation or something. They came from a place that um, that we wouldn't want to come from, that we would say, no, I don't want my child to do that. I don't want them to have to go through overcome cancer, like you said, Mike, or overcome um, some disease. And yet it seems like the people who do that wind up in a very good, not all of them, I would say it's probably a, a small percentage if I, I would take a guess at it, but it seems like when you look at those high performers, those people that have really done something incredible, they have incredible stories of where they came from. So in some, some ways, it seems like there's the philosophical view that says, yeah, I wish everybody could have a great start and uh, you know not have illness or disease or or the things that we look at and say, oh, that poor, that unfortunate child. And yet, uh, I think there there's something that would, immediately get missed if that disappeared, if those things disappeared. And and I don't know how to describe it because, like I said, I don't think any parents would want their child to to have a certain disease or to, to have a certain um, problem when they're born, you know, growing up. And at the same time, I think if you look at it, those stories have incredible impact, incredibly good impact. And to lose them would be to lose something really, really significant. So I'm for a minute here, I'm going to think about the the difference between wanting it to be a certain way and then being glad that it wasn't, you know, that old the proverb, whatever they say, you know, watch what you wish for. You just might get it. I think it's a little bit of that, you know, that's showing up for me that says, be careful. Philosophically, you want this to be this way. You, you know, intellectually, you want this to be this way. But look what happens if you do, you know, the results that you get. It's kind of like a the making of a perfect society or what you're referring to, Joe, is what I call the struggle, you know, the struggle and the overcoming of obstacles that it seems like many people are, are focused on how do we make life as perfect as possible, as efficient as possible. 
my personal philosophy is as long as that there are humans with egos involved, that will never happen. We, we will <laughs> destroy that because even if we make it perfect where we can live forever, you know, in a way it's, it's, it's like a Twilight Zone episode because it's, I think eventually people will be like, I, I want out. This is not perfect. This is horrible. You know, it's it's so plain vanilla. There, there, there's no, you know, overcoming the obstacles or risks. That adrenaline rush. What, what would life be like if there were no adrenaline rush? There was nothing. There was nothing complicated. Everything was the the easy button. You know, um, I don't know. That not, it's not the version of life that I want to live. Not that I. I, I go out and I seek pain every day or I push myself to the edge of things that are overcomplicated. Um, you know, I want, I want those peaceful, happy moments, but, but then those times when things are tough and you overcome and you realize how strong you are, I, I, don't, I don't think I want life that way. But I fear of, of most of all, like I said, with the, the question about, you know, w- would you make a change? Um, I don't think I can have it one way without the other, meaning that every that I could decide everything, and that's scary to me. Hmm. You know, it it sounds like, and we probably could have predicted this or can predict it really easily right now. It's going to come down to a personal choice whether you accept these technologies in your own life for yourself or your family or you don't because the horse is out of the barn already i mean like the technology already exists to at least help some things right it's only a matter of time before it is a shopping list of things that you can do and i i see it as as a very predictable slippery slope like would would you would you if you could identify a childhood you know leukemia or something like that would you fix it yes well how about this you know that uh, a tall man is paid more than than other than short men, and I, and actually, you know, with blue eyes, that helps as well. Now, don't you want your child to have a genuine leg up? I mean, statistically, this will give this much more of a chance of a successful life. A tall male child with blue eyes. It's, you know, it's not cosmetic. This is going to have, but it's not very far before those are the kinds of things you're offered. And if you're parents and you're looking at each other and you, because all parents, myself included, want the best chances for their child. Like, no, no, we don't want that. Well, you know, all the other parents likely, or that's the voice in your head telling you all the other parents are going to be making those choices. Now your child is short with brown eyes or whatever they got by the, by the grace of God or genetics or right. That, that by not doing it, are you essentially signing up for a disadvantage? Right. Yeah. And it's funny, Mike, because that's the future, right? I'm thinking of the, the present, you know, there was a time when when you didn't have to go to the right school or you didn't have to, you know, start sports when you were six years old, you know, and have coaches and have you know, high end teams and stuff like that. We were talking about this on one of our former podcasts about, you know, the life that kids have today is so much more structured. And I hear from my own kids. They say, well, if, if our grandchildren don't get into these sports early on, they won't stand a chance when it comes to high school. The other kids will be so far ahead of them that not necessarily any better in terms of their their physical abilities. But they will have played the sport for so many years that they'll be they'll be non-competitive at that point. They wouldn't have had the same advantage that everybody else had. So I think to me, I'm already seeing it. And it's it's not so much the genetic modification as it is that desire to compete. 
And I think what you're saying is exactly right. I'm okay with it until I have to compete with someone who's taller or someone who's, you know, got that right school behind them or the right, the right coach, you know, that's brought them up a certain way. Then, then like you, I'd want to give my kids the advantage and my grandchildren the advantage of competing on a, a level playing field, which the, the field is getting very crazy. And I think most parents are recognizing that and they're trying to step back from it. But as you s- suggested, they can't because to step back means to disadvantage your kid. It means to put him in a place where if he does want to play football or soccer or tennis, or whatever, in, in high school, you've, you've already put him out of the game. You've already taken it away. So why not say, make him taller, make him stronger, make him more handsome, you know, more pretty, whatever the things are to the point where mat- mathematically or, you know, from statistics says they'll stand a better chance. But here's the, the, the bottom line for me that I think I'm missing in all this or that that's being missed is I don't really, that wasn't really my goal when I, as a, when I was a parent, I am a parent, but, but that when I had little kids, my goal was happiness. I kept thinking, how can I make them happy? And I kept getting confused by happiness versus that thing you're talking about, that ability to compete, that ability to get ahead as if that's happiness. And I, I was kind of, in a sense, screwing up with the, with the idea that that happiness is determined by those outcomes as opposed to, you know, it's the way it is. And, and if they're happy, that's all that matters. You know, instead, I, I focused on, you know, a certain curriculum or a certain a certain sport or a certain uh, you know, line of things. But that wasn't my kids doing that. That was me doing it, encouraging them to get involved. And I think that's been taken now to another whole level with parents today as the generation has flipped, you know, several generations is parents are so concerned about making sure their kids have every opportunity, the right, the right kindergarten, the right, you know, the right <laughs> from age four, whatever, starting to play tennis or, or, or whatever, football, you know, and getting coaches and everything involved to the point where it's not fun anymore. And happiness is kind of a sidelight. It's not the, it's not the main focus, the main channel. Because as we've said before, a lot of kids you see very unhappy and parents are very unhappy in a sport or in, in some event like that. We're not going to the school they want to go to, but the school they have to go to, you know, that kind of thing. So but, I think we're missing the target, and I think that's the big thing. Yeah, the only thing I'd say about that is I wonder if, if our, our sample size is wrong. Like, I, I, I don't want to label that a, a rich person or white person's problem, but I don't know that that's everybody's problem, that they their kids have to go to the right school or play tennis or play soccer or do this and do that. And the other thing I'd throw out there mm. is I, I think kids, eventually they develop their own personality. And the whole thing we're talking about, even – with Mike, with the being tall and the blue eyes, um, you, you know, I, I think eventually there, there's free will and there's rebellion. You know, I, I could see in a science fiction world where if everybody did look the same and they were all the same, that eventually the, the kids, the, the, they eventually would develop their own way of thinking and say, why are we all the same? Why do we all look like, you know, we're, we're a, a dozen eggs and we're all, we're all white and we're and we're squishy inside, and we all look the same. But I want to be different, you know. Maybe I want to be the ugly duckling, and that's cool, you know. I, I think that would eventually happen. That somebody would stand up and and fight for that. Um, the other thing I was thinking about for myself, which is weird, because thinking about our own health, right? If there was some advance in technology that said, "Well, Bob, you have you know whatever kidney failure or lung disease or something of like that," but we have this new radical procedure and we can fix that. I'd be okay with that. But then on the other hand, I'm saying I'm not okay with that if, if it's a baby, you know, in, in an embryo. Um, I don't know why. I, I, you know, maybe it gets to that point of, like, like I said, there's something happening there that I don't fully understand. I don't think we as a civilization fully understand that there's I, – I still go back to that whole 
God principle thing that there there's some other miracle of life happening here and the more we tinker with it the more trouble there could be who is my child and they were unborn I I would I I think 99.9% certain if I was given that option I would go ahead and do it um but if it was anything of a like the cosmetic nature I would I would not do that yeah and it's funny hearing hearing you say that I I think I'm kind of in the same place and I I do wonder what the difference is. And, and here's, again, without thinking too much, here's what I think it is. I think one is like, you are what you are. You, you already had your shot. You know, whatever it was that got you here, you are, you're here and you're, you're the way you are. Now, from this point forward, it's up to you to maintain yourself. You know, it's like, it's not, to me, it's not quite the same as messing with you prior to being born. There's something there about, you know, that being not just, uh, not, not up to you how it happens. You know, how it comes about. But then once you're here and, and you break your leg or you you don't you don't eat healthy or something like that and you need some type of a bypass or you know some type of an operation, you say, Well, I would do that. I would do that for anybody, you know, for any child or adult, whatever that would need that. So I think one is that what Mike brought up originally, the genetic modification of who you are as a person. And and again, if you said them could I alter your genes later in life that would impact the outcome? I might start thinking more about like what we were talking about as it, as doing something to a baby like that or to an embryo. So I'm, I'm very confused right now. It's like I'm thinking there's this there's this great intent on I think on all of our parts and probably everyone in the world to make the world a better place. I think that that comes through all the time. That's always the underlying concept of of happiness in the world. And if you kind of move with that, you get to a lot of what does that mean? You know, what does happiness mean? What does make the world a better place mean? Because if you're not careful, pretty soon it's make the world a better place for you. And as you said earlier, Bob, driven by money, by greed, by all those other human characteristics. You know, what does that really mean? It's an interesting question because I think every other question we've had on this show, I at the end of the show, I feel like I'm I'm at a place where I have something to to move forward on. You know, like some thought or like, okay, this is how a better way to think of it. And and this one, it feels much more like uh, standing on the precipice of just this massive change and just really not knowing, uh, really, maybe, maybe that that in in and of itself is is kind of an interesting thing to stop back and and look at. I don't, I can't remember another time in my life where uh, the world was on the precipice of such a massive change that is really here, <laughs> you know, and it and and uh, get ready, you know. We've, so we're, we're at the time we've, we've been talking for 20, 20 minutes or so. So uh, I'll ask for your second for your final thoughts and, and uh, you know, to the folks listening, we would love to hear what you what you think of it. Uh, if you could tinker with the genetics of your baby, would you? Or is there a line? Would Is there some things that you would be OK with and some things you wouldn't be OK with? Is there a clear distinct distinction or is it all just a, a slippery slope? So what are your final thoughts, guys? Well, initially, Mike, I had a, a different final thought, but this one I think just popped in as from what you said is, you know, wh what have we done in the past where the outcome was so unknown and could bring such wonderful, horrible, whatever results? And I, I don't know. I, I There are probably dozens of things like that. But the one that popped in my head was that recently the um, the thing they built, the CERN, uh, C-E-R-N it is, I think it's a, the thing that speeds up subatomic particles to the point where yeah. they're going back to beginning of time kind of stuff, you know, the, the big bang. And I think one of the concerns was when they fire this thing up, it might put us in some kind of a black hole or some crazy thing where we would just disappear. 
And I, I think it was real. I don't think it was like a, an unfounded concern, but I don't remember anybody saying, let's stop this thing, you know, because this might happen. They looked at the positive side of it, saying what they could learn from it, what they might see, what they might understand, and they went forward with it. But I, I don't know that it was entirely safe. And maybe it would just take out a piece of the country that I think it, part of it's in France, whatever, over in Europe. I don't know the exact location, but um, so what? You know, you take out a big chunk of land, you learn something, whatever. But black holes put us in some kind of oblivion. You know, the whole planet disappears all at once. That seems like a pretty one of those pretty tough decisions. So I think you're right. This is one of those moments where standing on the pre precipice of, of, of life is what does it mean and what impact would it have for the future? It's no small thing. Yeah, for me, thinking about it, I, I think I, I go with probability, you know, in, in terms of if a doctor said to me, there's a 98% chance your child has this, um, we can do a genetic modification and eradicate that disease. And, and that would be the only case I would do it if it were something that, you know, would, would alter their well-being in their life and, and the risk of, of their life. Um, and the chances, you know, were better in terms of, you know, making that genetic change. I, yeah, I I mean, to be honest, I, I would do it uh, as a society as a whole, though I, I worry about that, that whole slippery slope of who controls that. And if you try to put controls on it, then I think there'll be black market stuff happening. And uh, and eventually it will probably get out of control where, you know, who's to stop the, the cosmetic modifications being made. But, uh, and, that, and that gives me, I guess, great anxiety. Just, you know, the question itself gives me a little bit of anxiety in terms of thinking about it but yeah I mean, personally for me um, I, I would go ahead and do it well thanks guys I you know it's funny we didn't even as you said that we didn't even get into the idea of economics of the thing right I mean it's going to be a treatment right that costs money so our, if, if there was ever anything that I could think of that uh, people with money or those that have would have an opportunity to have more and further separate from those that don't i mean geez this is this is one of them well anyway well and anyway let's go get a burger you know <laughs> i'm sure it'll be fine you know 